Welcome to this Ashall Media podcast, supporting a growing community of financial advisors. Welcome everyone to the final podcast of 2022. And goodness me, what a year it's been. Let's get into the weeds of it with good friends and colleagues, John Reynolds and Asim Javid. Let's get going. So here we go, guys. Morning, Asim. Morning, John. Morning, Andrew. Morning, guys. Hope you're both very well. Bright and early. Um, pretty chilly, to say the least. Guys, 2022, what a year it's been for investors. Um, the great reset, uh, maybe. Uh, certainly uh, an anus eribilis. What have been the main drivers? You know, we've seen markets correlated. We've seen stock markets moving into bear market territory. What have been the major drivers for that? What what stimulated it? John, do you, do you want to kick off here, please? It certainly has been a tough year, Andrew. You're quite right. Certainly a tough year for investors and particularly balanced investors and uh, risk-based portfolio investors um, mixing both bonds and equities together. Uh, certainly been a tough year. I think we pointed to it back in early February, uh, the problems that lay ahead um, uh, in the article, The Great Normalization, where it'd been obvious that, you know, interest rates have been pushed to unsustainably low levels over a period of time, particularly in real terms, by the central banks uh, in their response, continued sort of cure response uh, and the enormous uh, injections through COVID um, to, to financial markets. Um, and it was clear that, you know, interest rates were not sustainable at their, that level. There was no value in bond markets, certainly as we entered into the year. And the risk was that, you know, a sell-off would start to take place. I think what called everyone out has been the extent to which interest rates have risen during the course of the year and this, the speed of which they've risen. I think that was a big change. And we're now looking at sort of uh, interest rates, uh, short-term interest rates, at their highest level since 2007. So um, with uh, the Fed last night moving their target rates to four and a quarter to four and a half percent. So that's obviously had a massive effect uh, on across the bond market and uh, across the yield curve. And um, we saw a big sell off in bond markets as they readjusted or reset, as you say, Andrew. And of course, rising interest rates obviously had a massive impact on the the discounting. The, the DCF models and the discounting valuation for equities. And at one point, you know, the U.S. equity market was trading over 30 times multiple. Uh, and that crashed down considerably during the course of this year. And at the low point in October, that you know, the market was trading at roughly 15 times trading earnings. So we, we, we really the main culprit, obviously, was the sustained higher level of inflation uh, as we came through this year. Uh, and the um authorities policy response at the you know in terms of uh, you know monetary policy response response in terms of short-term interest rates so i think that's uh, in a nutshell has been the real reason why you know markets have had such you know a tough going we touched on it didn't we yes you remember back in february when we talked about the great normalization and i just think um it was just uh, it's just the speed at which things have happened during the course of this year which have uh, you know which have played out um, we certainly knew it wasn't going to be, we, I think we quoted, we, we said it wasn't going to be a one-way bet for equity investors. The everything rally of the 
past seven years is a thing of the past. Well, it certainly has been a thing of the past uh, as we've gone through the year. So we've had to get used to the fact that inflation's higher, equity markets have reset uh, on the back of uh, a reset in the bond markets. And of course, the issue is now, where are we? You know, is there some better value emerging? But we can talk about that in a second. Thanks, John. Yeah, Asim, it, it's been a, a toughie, as they say. You know, I think, is it the worst year in 100 years for the 60-40 investor in in, um, in US? So what what do you think about this particular point? I think, um, as John pointed to, the changes in monetary policy, I think the trigger, again, has been the, the, the exogenous inflation, which then... Um, went into the stimuli tighter monetary policy and that led into the 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 bonds needed to reflect uh, the changes in monetary policy and also the derating on the equity side i think that one single common i would say uh, stimulus um had an impact on the correlations so we we were used to or the market was used to seeing a negative correlation in a stressed period uh, between equities and bonds that completely broke down um, it was a single stimulus which was affecting both of them. So equities and bonds both derated. And, um, I think it, it, it's good in a sense that now we, now, now the inflation is slowly getting out of the system. We have had the monetary policy tightening, a change in monetary policy stance. I think now we are getting to a point where this, the great reset is actually a great reset between bonds and equities. So we can, we can start seeing some, um, risk off behavior. Uh, of the bonds uh, compared to equity side. So going forward, I think it's, it's, it's healthier in a, in a sense that now we are going to see a, a negative correlations coming back into the market between bonds and equities. But yes, for 2022, it's been a breakdown of correlations for me. Yeah, agreed. Okay, guys. So um, would we say um, fixed income in particular and, and then maybe equities are now in a buy position? Have they recovered? Uh, excuse me, are they likely to recover anytime soon? Are, are we near the bottom? Um, Asim, do you want to lead on on this one? Yeah, okay, so fixed income and especially the longer duration, we've been quite interested in, in um, adding some exposure there, but the, but not yet is, 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 the, um, is the answer, short answer. The reason for that is because we have not, um, I mean, we're still in the monetary policy tightening phase across different central banks at this point. Um, and we don't see a change of stance as of yet. Um, if, I mean, last night, um, the presser uh, from Jay Powell, um, on the Fed's decision 4.5, uh, last night was quite, um, hawkish in my, if, if you look at the, the, the dot plot and the projections, they're still thinking of raising more to 5.1%, uh, next year. So it's still, we're still in that tightening phase and we will start adding uh, duration when we see that there is a change in monetary policy stance. So that's for the fixed income. On the equity side, again, equities also will respond to a change in the monetary policy stance. But for now, um, we don't think that we've gone through the capitulation in the equity market yet. And again, the, the, the recession probabilities are around 60%. So if we are going to go into recession, which we think is the base case at this point, um, we will see a further downward move in equities. So that's where we would like to add more equity exposure. Okay. All right. John, what are your thoughts on 
fixed income and equities? Are, are they near the bottom yet? So are we ready to buy or is it a little way still further to run? As Asim said, certainly on, if we start with the bond market, um, the shorter end of the bond market has obviously moved up to reflect you know, short-term interest rates, uh, what's happened there in terms of uh, the Fed funds rate. Uh, and the curves are now quite heavily inverted. I think the if you look at the two tens inversion in the states, um, it's uh, pretty much at uh, somewhere close to it. I think it's over its ninetieth percentile now in terms of steepness. So, one, it's indicating that the market certainly believes there's a recession around the corner. Um, but two, it's it has already responded to some degree to the view that a recession is coming, and there's there's you know there's been some buying. So at, at one point, U.S. ten-year yields have got up to four point three. They're currently sitting at um, sort of just under three and a half percent as as we speak this morning. So there has been certainly some buying at the longer end. I think the key question mark in terms of whether or not that offers really great value comes down to where we see terminal rates going and inflation and inflation ultimately going, um, um, and short rates, you know, equilibrium short rates going. And I think longer term, the bond market is still betting that. If you look across the curves, looks down through the curves, that inflation will get to the two and a half to three percent range over the next eighteen months to two years, and it, I, and that the terminal rate will move back towards about three percent over the next sort of three to four years. So there's some modest value there, but there's not great value. And I think the one thing that worries us a little bit, obviously, is the amount of QT that still has to continue to unwind, the balance sheet unwinding. And without, you know, the governments being the natural, uh, you know, the central banks being the the, the buyers of uh, bonds anymore, who's going to mop up all these uh, this big supply of bonds that's coming along? So there's a little bit we have a little bit of caution at the longer end, but we can see some value. I think there is value in the curve appears to be in sort of the belly of the curve where if we're right, that recession really does start to take hold from the sort of second quarter of, of next year uh, in earnest in the States, probably earlier in Europe and the UK um, and the rest of the world, then we will start to see, I think, some flattening of the yield curve and some better performance uh, and, and, and potential steepening the yield curve as the year goes through. So I think two areas to look at are the longer end. Um, and as Asim said, that's a question of timing for us. And secondly, some form of uh, curve steepness uh, at some point um, as we move through Q1. Turning to the equity side of the equation, um, if we start with the United States, um, the market is trailing earnings at the moment is somewhere just short of 220. The market is therefore trading on a, a multiple of just over 18 times as we stand. The big issue is comes down to earnings because um the market is still forecasting uh, a small positive growth in earnings next year. And as Asim uh, is pointing to, I think that is where the risk is. I think the market is too optimistic at the moment that we will get through this with just a, you know, a modest downward shift, maybe in, in real earnings um, without really a hit to nominal earnings. Um, normally in recession times, you'd see normal earnings decline anything up to 15 percent to 30, 25 percent. So it would seem to me um, uh, that the risk here comes that the equity market hasn't fully priced in a downward adjustment to earnings. So I think this is why we're not rushing back into the equity market at this point in time. 
Um, obviously, we've got the sort of uh, year-end sort of effect, the Christmas rally, the Santa rally effect uh, moving into the end of the year, position squaring, all of that. But generally speaking, I think the risks for the equity market really come early next year as we adjust to the fact that recession is here, that the squeeze is on, that profit margins, corporate margins are under pressure and that the earnings will start to get downgraded. And I don't think the market is priced for that. So um, I would expect and uh, we would expect the market to adjust and we will be ready for that um, uh, to, 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 to move into our favoured areas once we get the dip, which we expect to see some point uh, over the course of the next three months or so. OK, John, thanks. I mean, it, it's the uh, time on it question this time of year, folks, isn't it? Sort of um, where do you see FTSE 100? Where do you see the S&P 500? I'm, you'll be delighted. I'm not going to ask you that question. I always find it somewhat nauseating. Um, but I would like to ask you, do you um, identify, see any particular um, headlines for, for next year? And you've already mentioned recession and, and possibility for earnings being under pressure. But... You know, do you want to add anything more to that, Asim? I think, um, no, I think uh, the one point I would say is that we've seen the recent PPI numbers and, and CPI numbers come out. So PPI has come, come in a bit hotter than uh, the CPI, a bit cooler. So that is going to have an impact on the margin side of things. Um, and as John said, it's it's about earnings recession next year when, when the markets finally start taking into account that we are in recession um, and the Fed is still tightening into a recession. Um, and the extent of that recession, what what does it mean for the equity market? Because equity markets are going to respond, I, I think, uh, with with some sort of capitulation in uh, and after the recession starts next year. So I think that's one. And the other one is the dollar index or USG, USD GBP. I think uh, again, our our expectations for the dollar index was around 116 for this year. Uh, we got to around 114.80ish. Um, pretty close, but then it started rolling over. Now, all of that is also dependent on two things right now. What are the, what are the conditions in the market, i.e. in terms of the, the, the volatility? And secondly, uh, what, what type of geopolitical risks are still live and in the system? So we still have a live uh, geopolitical risk. We still have a uh, tighten, tightening, tightening monetary policy, um, and volatility in the market. So our expectation uh, going forward, as we go through the recession, I think we we may see dollar index moving back up, i.e. US dollar becoming a bit more um, stronger um, during that period, and then finally rolling over. And that's where we are also thinking about GBP USD. Um, and and we're, we're keeping a very close eye on this uh, rollover side of things, because uh, during this year, the dollar call or the, the dollar index call was was spot on. Uh, for us, and it has added some uh, good positive uh, performance to our portfolios. Okay, thanks, Asim. John, any additional thoughts, uh, notably around the currency, you know, dollar rollover and what have you? Yeah, I think the uh, the timing of that dollar rollover and the sort of the timing of coming out of the, you know, the markets moving from discounting, you know, um, from sort of having to digest earnings revisions to starting to look forward to recovery, which will take place in my mind at second sort of midway through next year. That's going to be trying to get the timing right. That's going to be a very important cocktail for the emerging markets. And I think add on to that, um, you know, 
the China reopening story, um, you know, it's um, obviously we started to see China sort of backing away a little bit from the restricted zero COVID policy, opening up a little bit more as we, you know, over the last month or so. Um, so China emerging markets, I think, will be a big theme at some point in um, 2023. But I think it's, you know, the security of that trade, I think, is going to be towards the second half of 2023. But, you know, if we need to pull that forward, we will. But it's certainly one we're looking at very closely because we think that could be quite significant too, to perform to our overall performance, getting that trade right. Yeah, no, agreed. You know, getting it right is uh, arguably what it's all about here. So drawing all of those strands together, guys, and thinking about portfolios, what updates do we have? What is likely to happen in the near term uh, into uh, 2023, Asim? So what we've recently been doing is raising cash, and that's our, our, our uh, sort of defensive posture. Um, and we're raising cash to then go into the duration trade and the equity trade and then start thinking about further up the, the risk ladder into emerging markets once once we start seeing um, some sort of conf- confirmation next year. Um, and I think right now, as we move into that period, the next three months are very critical uh, in terms of what the economy may look like, what the recessions may, may look like, or what... Um, the monetary policy stance may look like in 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 February, so I think we are in a in a uh, in a good position at this point from the cash levels and from the equity exposure level from duration level. Um, I think we uh, we are ready um, to to start adding once we see confirmation in the market. Okay, all right, thank you, John. Any thoughts there? Oh, I think um, actually Asim summed it up very nicely. Um, we are sitting here patiently now, ready with the dry powder to um, uh, affect, hopefully, what will be a sort of winning strategy as we move into the early part of next year, really on market weakness, waiting for that market weakness to exploit that market weakness. Okay, guys, thanks. You know, it, it's been a very tough year, hasn't it? But Despite that, um, relative to peers, our numbers, our performances look pretty decent um, throughout. So thank you very much indeed as ever for that. So, guys, as the uh, holiday period um, beckons, um, I guess some of the listeners might be thinking about, um, you know, kicking back, relaxing, reading a book, uh, (laughs) listening to a podcast, whatever it might be. any books or podcasts or anything like that that you might like to recommend for some of the readers? Something a little bit different, possibly. But uh, John, what what might you uh, suggest for the for the listeners? Okay, well, if if we start with the books first, and there's one or two podcasts I I, I think people will enjoy listening to as well. But if we start with the book. Um, the one that I've sort of just finished recently that uh, thoroughly enjoyed reading was by. Mary Charles. Uh, it's called The Bond King, how one, man made, one, how one Man Made a Market, Built an Empire and Lost It All. It's about PIMCO, the rise and fall of PIMCO and Bill Gross. Um, thoroughly uh, entertaining read for me. Um, it was quite pertinent because uh, I sort of came into the financial markets um, in the early 80s. Um, and it was at that time that PIMCO was just starting to emerge you know, a player. They they were pretty small in the early 80s uh, uh, with roughly about 2 billion assets under um, ma- management when um, there was a, a pretty interesting trade that took everyone 
you know, um, in the bond markets, um, stood up and took attention to the Ginny May futures trade, which is very nicely um, outlined by Mary uh, in the book, um, explained exactly what happened there. But it provided a very fascinating insight into the workings at uh, PIMCO, quite a quite a, uh, an intense uh, and perhaps some may regard in today's terms shocking working environment certainly uh, non-PC in today's world that's for sure um, people had to be tight hard and take the knocks uh, and stand up and be counted um, but a fascinating a fascinating story and uh, certainly for me um, given my sort of tenure in the markets over the years there are a lot of things that resonated so mm-hmm. a very fascinating read. Yeah, sounds it does sound uh, you know intriguing. Asim, what what would you recommend? Uh, slightly more boring side of things, I think. Uh, um, I, I would personally think it's uh, going back to the basics, Keynesian uh, sort of economics, the general theory of employment, interest, and money may be a uh, sort of a good read to understand how it all sort of fits together. And um, I think a paper uh, written by uh, Michael McLee in 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 um, B, it's on BOE's website, Bank of England's website. It's money creation in in modern economy. Uh, it's a very interesting read. It it it, it basically uh, addresses some of the misconceptions about top down from central banks how the money is created in in, in commercial uh, bank side of things. So I think that's uh, for me that that would be something to read. Okay, uh, fascinating too. For me, I'm just going to run with um, something quite popular, I think. It's it's called The Psychology of Money, written by a guy called Morgan Housel. It's not a textbook, but it, it's all about uh, investor behaviour, the avoidance of greed. And I just think it's quite instructive. And, it, you know, it's quite a light and easy read. So, um, you know, if you get uh, a couple of three hours, maybe, you know, kick back and, and have a look at that. Guys, um, it's the end of the year, so thank you all very much indeed for your time and attention and wish you all a Merry Christmas and a very happy holiday. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.